Today's episode of Locked On MLB is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Big show going on for today. A weekend preview honoring a moment that, you know what, has gotten a lot of flack, but I think deserves an honor and a huge change with the Royals and not the ones in Kansas City. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully right there. You can see in my lower thirds. I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer. Uh, Someone asked me where I got nominated for my Emmy. I got nominated for my Emmy for my work of producing at KQED in San Francisco. I also was a producer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart for a little bit. I worked on a bunch of talk shows, worked on some reality shows. I've been a filmmaker. I've been a comedian, an actor. I've been a baseball podcaster for the last decade. And for the last four seasons, I have been a... uh, I've been here on Lockdown MLB. So, um, by the way, follow us at Lockdown MLB uh, pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Uh, I, I made a little kind of a pun about the Royals. Uh, you know, we're not going to get too much into the death of Queen Elizabeth. This is a baseball podcast after all. Although in 1991, she was the guest of then President George uh, Bush, not George W. Bush, but the father, George Bush. And she spoke to Congress. She visited America. And she and Prince Philip attended an A's Orioles game, at, not at Camden Yards, mind you, but at the old Memorial Stadium. It was the final season at Memorial Stadium. I'd like to think that Queen Elizabeth said, hey, hey, I want to see a game at Memorial Stadium before they tear it down. Because she respected the history between uh, you know, Paul Blair and uh, Brooks Robinson, Frank Robinson. Uh, one of the odd things is that, of course, in one of the one of my favorite comedies of the 80s was The Naked Gun, which is uh, which ends bizarrely and wonderfully bizarrely with uh, a prolonged baseball sequence of which we found out the the plot of the film revolved around Ricardo Montalban using a sort of uh, uh, hypnosis to have Reggie Jackson assassinate Queen Elizabeth, which of course sounds like a Mad Lib and Reggie Jackson famously saying, I must kill the queen as he's uh, approaching her. Uh, In the game that she watched between the Orioles and the A's, Reggie Jackson was actually on the coaching staff on that team and was in uniform. And of course, some of the players were nudging. She should come up and say, I must kill the queen, which I think they used good judgment to have him not pull that joke because um, I don't think Queen Elizabeth ever saw the naked gun. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. 
But uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, you know, when when someone's been around, like she's been the the monarch for seventy years, which means Prince Charles has been waiting to be king for seventy years. But I, I always think about things like that in terms of of baseball. When she became the queen, they were the Brooklyn Dodgers. They were the Boston Braves, the Philadelphia A's. Yeah, there were no franchise movements at that point. Integration baseball was only five years old. You know, the the Henry Aaron had zero career home runs when she became the queen. I mean, this is to put some things in perspective. Babe Ruth was the reigning home run king. Um, I loved sort of just going back and saying, like, you know, who was born? People who were not yet born. George Brett was not born yet. Jim Rice was not yet born when she became, you know, the queen. Uh, a couple of the people not yet born. Um, let's see, who else was that? Ozzie Smith. Gary Carter was not yet born. Gary Carter was born, lived, and died during her reign. You know, Andre Dawson's another Hall of Famer who was not yet born. So these are... I mean, going back, I mean, <laughs> you know, some of the, some of the, um, you know, people who, um, you know, Robin Yount, not yet born. These are people who became Hall of Famers and some of them we've lost. And then I think about some of the people who are still alive, you know, Honus Wagner, who seems like he lived in, a, in another universe. He was still alive. And, you know, just think about all the, there's got to be some other, there there was, uh, um, you know, all the people who, who were, you know, lived and born, died during it and during her, during her reign. And also just every, every aspect of history that took place with her there. I don't know. I'm not one of those, those people who's obsessed with the royal family, but uh, it's kind of interesting. She, the the path that she stretched, if you even looked at it in terms of baseball, you know, the teams that the Mets didn't exist. The Angels didn't exist. The Rangers didn't exist. The Twins didn't exist. And, you know, that whole, that whole stretch, she was alive. So not just alive, but was the monarch. And so I, you know, I find that pretty interesting at least, but uh, there's going to be no shortage of other people talking about it, but, of course, I hear Queen Elizabeth died, and I think about it in terms of baseball. She could have gone to Ebbets Field to see the Dodgers play. That's how long ago. She got to Braves Field to see the Boston Braves play. There were still Negro League teams that existed. So that monarch technically could have seen the monarchs. Another thing happened uh, on September 8th, the the... the other than the death of the queen is you saw it was the anniversary of Mark McGuire passing Roger Maris's record. Now the single season home run record, when she took over as the queen was Babe Ruth with 60. Um, Roger Maris had yet to play a single game in the majors. I know McGuire Sosa has received a lot of scrutiny over the years, people kind of look at it as kind of like the Millie Vanilli moment in baseball history, the thing that was celebrated that turned out to be phony. 
And I, you know, and I probably fell into that category for a while too when we all learned that, you know, you know, McGuire telling you, I'm not here to talk about the past. You actually kind of are. And, you know, that there was something that seemed like it was, you know, kind of hollow. It was fake. Maris's record was broken, but not with the, not fairly. And I, you know, I can't help but be thinking that I was one of the people who was kind of poo-pooing it for a while. I don't poo-poo it anymore. I don't. And a big reason is as I've grown as a, uh, you know, as a baseball podcaster, one of the things that's happened even here on the Lockdown Podcast Network is I've got to know people who are of a younger age than me. And let's just go to, um, that took place in 1998. So using the rule of seven, you know, anyone born around 1991, you know, that's probably, you know, if you were born in the late 80s, the first memories of baseball you have probably is Sosa McGuire. And all of the new stadiums that you saw being built, all the the interest of baseball and the record attendance and everything, you could point back to that. For a bunch of young baseball fans, that was their moment. That was the thing that got them into baseball. Now, baseball never returned the money that was earned during the Sosa McGuire chases. And... Wrigley Field has a huge, huge spiffy rebuild. And the Cardinals have a brand new spanking stadium. And you can point to all of the wealth that was able to build some of those stadiums and refurbish it to the Sosa McGuire chase. And I watched the clips of McGuire hitting the home run, holding up his son, celebrating with Sosa, who they happened to be playing the Cubs when he broke it, going into the stands to embrace the Maris family and pay respects to them. And for the first time since I saw it, and I watched it live in the green room of the Gotham Comedy Club when I was doing a comedy show, I was there with my friend Dana Eagle. By the way, look up Dana Eagle on uh, social media. She's a wonderful comedian. But for the first time in decades, literally decades, I got emotional watching that in a positive way. Was it phony? Yeah. But it was great theater. It was emotional. And for a lot of people, it was their gateway drug to baseball. And there's a lot of people who fell in love with baseball for the first time during that 1998 chase, who are now part of the baseball family. Some of them have been podcasters alongside me as I've been working. I'm 50, okay? There are a lot of podcasters who are a hell of a lot younger than me. And they have nothing but warm memories, nothing but warm feelings about the home run chase between Sosa and McGuire. And there's a little bit that I'm feeling of, who the hell am I? 
to tell a generation that fell in love with baseball and is now part of the baseball family of fandom to tell them that that was meaningless that was fake it was what we wanted it was drama it was it it had theater to it they respected the marises so so they were doing something so they were cheating so it was a little fake I, I, I no longer mind, especially when you saw how rampant steroid use was. I shudder to think what would have happened in baseball if we didn't have it. Would baseball have limped along? Would we have had a new generation of people watching it? We all loved it. We all were hooked on it. But I was already a gigantic baseball fan. For some people, that's what started it. And you know what? Yeah, they may have been using something that artificially enhanced their bodies. Yeah, they may have had advantages that Maris didn't have that kind of made it seem unfair. But you know what it also did? It jump-started a gigantic love affair of baseball for an entire generation. That's not a bad thing. And baseball has been standing on their chemically enhanced shoulders and profited from it and to take that away just because it wasn't as pure or whatever i think is disingenuous now does that mean i would ever endorse something or talk about something that chemically changes your body and helps you perform more i don't know but along those lines let's talk about blue chew now summer's winding down the nights are getting longer but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff oh boy all right folks look at i'm gonna go off script a little bit here because it's blue chew we know what it's about it's for the men folk to give themselves a little performance enhancement and you know what there's nothing fake about it because blue chew has a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them any time, day or night, so you can plan ahead or whenever an opportunity arises. And the best part, it's done online. So no doctor visits, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. And prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from a little extra confidence, when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free. When you use promo code Locked On at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Use promo code Locked On to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring our podcast. There you go. All right. Well, let's just take a quick peek. Uh, all the games have been finished on Thursday night. It was kind of a light schedule. Um, was, let's, uh, by the way, listen to uh, Stacy Gatsoulias on Lockdown Yankees if you want to hear her hate an umpire. The uh, let's just say the umpiring in the Yankee uh, Twins game was uh, the strike zone was a tad bananas. 
uh, just a little bit bananas. And quite frankly, I don't understand why we don't have robot ops at this point. You know, if we can see, if we can see beyond a shadow of a doubt that a strike zone is just not real, then what are we, then what are we doing here? Why are we, you know, what what's the actual point of not using a strike zone the way we see it for real? Now, I don't think that costs the Yankees the game. Maybe Stacy thinks otherwise. But, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is the Yankees and the Twins did not get the best, uh, did not get the best calls in that game. Uh, there was one call that was kind of interesting that it was a, a play at first base where it was a toss to the to the pitcher covering and the Yankee pitcher kind of smothered the ball against the chest and the runner was called safe even though he had the ball because you can't you have to control it with your hand or in the glove. You can't be pressing it, can't control it against the chest. I never knew that rule. Apparently that's the case. Um, the Yankees lost to the Twins, and a rare that's a rare sentence because the Twins always lose to the Yankees, and it came right down to the final pitch. They had the bases loaded, and Michael Fulmer, Fulmer got uh, an out. Carlos Correa got the game-winning home run on that, um, and we're going to get to the significance of what this could mean for the weekend. Uh, the A's and the White Sox played a really, really tight game. The final score was 14-2. to Yoan Moncada hit I think he got five hits. This is a guy who, who entered the game batting something like 212 or something ridiculous like that. And then he came off the IL. Let's look at his final line. He wound up going five for six with five runs batted in. He's still batting 211. But, you know, he obviously uh, added him to the lineup. And if he continues hitting like that, that'll look very, very good. Thank you very much for the White Sox. Now, there's a rumor going around that Tony LaRusso wants to come back. Um, Tony, sit this out. Miguel Cairo is, is doing a fine job of it. Thank you very much. You don't have to worry about it. Um, going around the league, the Nationals had an absolute meltdown on Wednesday, but today they did not have a meltdown. In fact, they had the uh, big rally in the ninth inning, and they defeated the Cardinals, but the Cardinals are still uh, in the driver's seat. But, hey, uh, the Brewers won both of their games against the San Francisco Giants. The Brewers have to start winning. They've been playing terribly, but they won both of the games, which now means they have crept to within three games in the loss column, two and a half games in the standings of Philadelphia. We, if you, we want to see good pennant races down the stretch, we're going to have to have teams like the Brewers wake up. The Phillies, by the way, blew a game against Miami, six to five, uh, a two-run rally uh, in the ninth inning, Brian Anderson off of David Robertson, who I still can't believe the Yankees didn't reacquire. But the Phillies are maybe allowing the uh, the the Brewers back into it. Uh, once again, as I talked about yesterday, the Phillies wore powder blue at home. Powder blue are road jerseys, Okay. Uh, and I mentioned the uh, the Twins and the Yankees, and the only other game was the Reds and the Cubs. The Field of Dreams matchup, uh, four to three, was the final there. Um, uh, Jonathan India got the go ahead single as the Reds came had a two run rally 
off of Mark Leiter Jr. in the ninth inning. And uh, good for those two teams who both stink. So naturally, they were part of the Field of Dreams game. So I mean, it's a, that's a short wrap-up of the games because it was, a, it was a short night. But as we approach the weekend, there are specifically two matchups that could be the type of matchups that we'll remember. Why? Because they can turn this entire season upside down. And it's a surefire bet that if these series unfold in a certain way, we are going to have a really fun final 20-some-odd games of the season. And guess what? If you're looking to make any bets, go to betonline.net. It's your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. Is that this week? I don't know. I should probably start following football. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easy way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Okay, um, I have a kind of a philosophy that if your team is a playoff team post-Labor Day, then the general manager and scouting department in the front office can all take a bow. They can all take a bow because you've gotten past Labor Day. They've essentially given you an entertaining summer. And... Now it's just become chance. So if a, if the front office has delivered a summer to you, you really can't ask for more than that. But what I can ask for as we enter the final three weeks of the season, each team has 20-some-odd games left, Air Force coin flip, coin flip, coin flip, we could see some potential anarchy. I mentioned the Brewers need to start winning if they want to turn this into a season. They've lost a ton of games, but they're going to be playing the Reds. Okay? Now, of course, the Reds, on paper, stink, but so do the Pirates and Nationals. Look at what they did to the Mets. So the Reds may have a little bit of pride, but if the Brewers want to get into this, they better start winning. Meanwhile, Philadelphia's been playing the Nats. Same thing. Nats look like an easy target. They beat up the Mets. They could take great glee in ruining the October plans of some of their division rivals. Um, the, the Mets are going to be playing the Marlins, uh, the, the Marlins are always a strange team because they can pitch. Uh, I really thought they'd be a lot better than they were the 56 and 80 record that they're going to have right now. But uh, I digress because let's let's hit the series that really means something. Uh, we saw the A's and Dylan Cease. By the way, Dylan Cease is putting together a Cy Young uh, argument. Another great outing for him tonight, along with the Moncada home runs. The A's are going to be playing the White Sox. Lucas Giolito who's had won a bunch of games, but he's pitched poorly. If he starts to pitch well, and he pitched well his last game, actually, and wind up beating the A's, then the White Sox could make this a very interesting weekend, especially when you consider, drumroll, Cleveland's playing Minnesota. Now, right now, as of this recording, Cleveland is in first place, but Minnesota... And the White Sox are each a game and a half back. Minnesota's two games back in the lost column. 
Chicago's three games back and lost gone. But the fact of the matter is they're right on their heels. Now, if the White Sox sweep the A's and the Guardians and the Twins beat each other up, they we could potentially see a three-way tie or it's close to a three-way tie with less than 20 games to go. That's what I want to see. It, that's that's what you should want to see. We should want to see kind of this kind of anarchy. And then, of course, the big one, the big, big kahuna is the Rays and the Yankees are playing. Montas, who pitched well his final the, his last start, Drew Rasmussen, who is a talented pitcher, the Rays and the Yankees are facing off. Now, this is critical. The Yankees took three out of four from Minnesota. Minnesota lost a game where they were three outs away from winning. The Yankees won the first three games. They were one, basically one extra base hit away today from winning all four games. The Yankees have played pretty well, but do you know what? So are Tampa Bay. Now, if Tampa Bay sweeps the Yankees, then it will be only a game and a half separating the two with 20. Then that's the definition of a coin toss. If Tampa just wins the series, they'll be three and a half back but only two back in the loss column along the way. It is imperative for the Yankees to win this series if they want to clinch the division. And that's the sort of anarchy that I'm looking for. I want to see the final weeks of the season turn into a, yikes, I don't know what's going to happen. Tampa Bay could, if Tampa Bay sweeps, then all bets are off. Don't even go to bet online because you'll be wasting your money to, to try to figure it out. Then it will essentially become a coin toss. If the Central turns into a scrum, then it's just going to make the final few weeks just wonderful scoreboard watching, which at this point is what we should want. A lot of people are, are you know, going to be pulling for the Yankees to collapse. I just want entertaining games down the stretch. And so we're going to have a great weekend. Yeah, I know football starting and everything like that. Great. This is why I personally believe the season should end on Labor Day. Even if it means cutting the season short a little bit, it should end on Labor Day because this sort of baseball down the stretch should be the thing capturing all sports fans' attention. And they're going to have to be fighting with football. But you know what? Forget all that. It's going to be fun. You're a baseball fan. It's going to be fun. If you're Tony La Russa, stay away from the White Sox. Just, just sit this one out. Go see the Queen. In fact, if you see the uh, the thumbnail that I've made for this particular episode, it's La Russa shaking hands with the Queen. Interesting thing. So let's review. Rest in peace, Queen Elizabeth. I hope you got a chance to see Braves games at Braves Field, County Stadium, Fulton County Stadium, Turner Field, and oh God, what is the new one called? It's like SunTrust. Is that what it is? I should know because actually my cousin Kathy works for that bank. But uh, but it was, was stretched from a, from a period of time where baseball looked quite different to right here and right now. It's a shame she never saw how the pennant race ended. I say, hey, don't poo-poo the importance of McGuire Sosa. You may not like how they did it. You may not like the method how it was done, 
But to this day, the positivity that came from it is still affecting baseball. And you know what? It was good theater. In the end, we all got a fun summer. And now we've got a fun summer. Let's have a fun fall and have a little bit of anarchy. So follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods. Same handle for Instagram and Twitter. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Saying farewell to the monarch and saying hello to anarchy. This has been Lockdown MLB for the ninth day of September 2022. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.